Following the Lord Jesus is a risk of faith. To do it, you must leave all to go after him. But Jesus has already shared what the fortunes are of those who do so. 100 times riches in this life and eternal life afterwards. Folks, this is the Bread of Life and I'm Joel Van Hoogen. We're a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about our focus to plant churches around the world. As we turn to God's Word in Mark 10, verses 28 through 45, we ask for wisdom in understanding the meaning of Christ's promise. It is real, but what does He really mean? We want to know so that our faith might rise to His promises. We can be certain of this. We can't outgive the Lord Jesus. Whatever we give up to follow him, he'll return a hundred times more, he says. Here's a, here's a second caveat, though. But even here, this leaving must be done for the right reasons. Jesus says it must be done for my sake and the gospel's sake. Do you see that? It's what we leave for his sake and the gospel's sake. In other words, you must not leave these things behind in the motivation that somehow by abandoning them, you'll get better possessions. You can't leave this stuff behind as an investment for something richer and better for yourself. This is not seed money that you plant in order that you might get a Cadillac in your future or a Jaguar or that you might surround yourself with comfortable things. This means basically that you don't follow the Lord Jesus as a cure for loneliness. You don't follow the Lord Jesus because you want to rise out of the society and the class you're into a higher class. Proves to be true. You follow the Lord Jesus and you're surrounded with those who follow him too and there's a cure for a deep existential loneliness because you meet the God who made you for a relationship and he he bridges the gap and you have a relationship with him and then he introduces you to others who have that same relationship and you follow him and you you give your life to him and, and God strikes a chord in your life that oftentimes lifts you out of poverty. In fact, this is a sociological fact. You can go into societies where the gospel is coming to those communities and it's called redemptive lift and it's proven that where you have a, a community where people have turned to Christ to a certain number, that community will rise out of its poverty. They'll live more successful lives. They'll develop new disciplines and the, they'll, the crime will go away and the things that hounded and ate away at the society will go away and there'll be prosperity there. But if you do it for those reasons, it won't, it won't bring to you that benefit in Genesis chapter 14, we read of how the Lord Jesus called Abram to come and follow him. And Abram left his father's tents and his father's possession and his father's land to go to a land that God called Abram to go to. And he lived there as a stranger. And then we, we get to chapter 14. And in, in chapter 14, there are these kings in the land that he goes to in Canaan. And these five kings are battling with four other kings. And the four other kings are more powerful than the five kings. And the four other kings take captive these five kings. And they take possession of a certain amount of their wealth. And they laid them off into captivity. And Abram goes with those who have gathered around his tents and those who have served him. And Abraham goes and conquers these four kings and sets these five kings free. And Abram at that moment has an opportunity because he's been faithful to God and God has been blessing him to enrich himself in this great act. In fact, the king of Sodom comes to Abraham and says basically that he wants to give him all the wealth that he's recovered that had been stolen from him. And Abram says, I will take nothing that is yours lest you say I made Abram rich. He had an opportunity 
to be rich and prosperous because of the blessing that had come upon his life. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, immediately after that, God comes to Abram in a vision. And God says to Abram this, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I'm your reward. With Abraham, so with Peter. If Peter had thought about it and stopped running his calculation of all the things that he was going to get, Peter would recognize that the reward was right in front of him. The great exceeding reward was Jesus Christ himself. It was the privilege and the honor of walking with him and talking with him and being with him and seeing him work and do great things. It was being in the middle of where God was strategically working and doing great things upon the earth through the life of the Lord Jesus. And that was his reward. That's our reward as well. So you have to leave it for the right reasons. You have to leave it for the sake of Jesus Christ. You have to leave it for the sake of making Jesus Christ known to others. Here's the fourth thing. The fourth caveat. All this treasure will come along with persecution. He shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, verse 30, along with persecutions. The remainder of the passage that we're going to look at here is a turn into these persecutions and what takes place. These men are not being tucked away into sweet dreams of tomorrow's riches. Uh, The message that the Lord Jesus is teaching them turns them back to the first note that they have to leave everything in order to follow him. And they have to be willing to abandon all their comforts in order to follow him. And there is a reward, but they have to face the discomfort of, of dispatching themselves from all those things that they had rested in before. And they even have to let go of their own instincts for self preservation in order for God to put them in the position where they might receive this unique uh, fortune or this unique blessing. So as they make their way to Jerusalem, the Lord's disposition and his demeanor changes, and it's such a profound change that it startles his disciples. They're bothered by it. The Lord himself is preparing himself for what lies ahead in Jerusalem, and this time of preparation and the Spirit of Christ startles his disciples. Here's what we read in verse 32. Now they were on the road, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is going before them, and they were amazed. That is, they were astonished, or there was something stirred within them. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them of the things that would happen to him. He tells them of the suffering he's going to face, of the condemnation that's coming upon him, of the mocking and false accusations and the spittings and the scourgings and the beatings and the death that is waiting him and the burial that would be his, and then that he will live again. And this was all very sobering to them. This was a fearful thing. But these disciples are a resilient brunch. They have a a capacity, it seems, to accentuate the positive. So in the midst of this very perplexing and fearful message from the Lord Jesus, they go back and they almost push it aside from their minds. With a little bit of effort, they put it out of their minds and instead they latch on to the promise of gain, of possessions, of wealth, of stature, of position. They attribute this to the promise of Christ coming to set up his kingdom on earth. And so two of them approach Christ at that very moment, in the middle of this moment where Jesus is expressing to them the persecution and the challenges and the difficulties that are coming to them as they choose to follow Christ. And they ask him the question, are you, if we'll ask you a question, will you give us what we want? The Lord Jesus is a wise here. He, he answers the childlike request with a very clear and honest statement. Well, tell me what you want. What are you asking for? Well, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand when you come into your glory in the kingdom, in your kingdom. 
Jesus responds, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized? The Lord Jesus is speaking about going up and entering into Jerusalem and the suffering that awaits them. And they say, Lord, we can. They have a significant confidence. By the way, this means that Peter wasn't the only one that was overconfident. Lord, if everybody else betrays you, I'll never betray you. James and John had the same malady. James and John want to be on either side of the Lord Jesus when he comes upon his throne. The Lord knows that very shortly he's going to be in a position where two different men are going to be hanging on either side of him on the crosses. And he in the middle cross. And this question really is something along these lines. Are you willing to take their places? Are you willing to hang with them on the crosses next to me? The Lord Jesus has just described the cup that is going to be his and the baptism of what he's going to be baptized with and they've missed the point altogether. It will involve drinking in the world's hate It will mean tasting their spite and their mocking and their scourgings, receiving their false accusations and their animosity. Are you you ready to drink this in? You don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink this cup? I don't know that they even understand what he's saying. They say, yes. Lord will do it. And his answer is, you will. You will. And by the way, they did. They did. James was the first martyr of the Christian church. John is the only of the twelve that did not die a martyr's death, but instead he died in exile on the Isle of Patmos, having suffered long time throughout his ministry for the Savior. What are we talking about here? What is the Lord Jesus predicting? What has he foretold? He's foretold his disciples their future. He's foretold, I believe, our future as well, a future of blessing, a future of prosperity, a future of persecutions as well as we follow him. If we leave all for his sake in the sake of knowing Christ, in the sake of making him known to others, we're going to benefit and we're going to receive great blessings, but we're also going to suffer persecutions. Voices will rise up out of this world that will challenge our choices, mock our principles, question our convictions, assault our standing, demean our message, and ultimately, there will be a measure of dying that we'll have to endure, whether it's dying to our own self-seeking spirit, dying to our love of praise and acceptance, dying for our, to our pursuit of pleasure and comfort and ease, dying to our desire to have honor of those around us, dying to our love of praise and acceptance or our ability to accumulate for our sake possessions or honor or people themselves. We're going to have to leave all these things behind, not just once if we're going to follow the Lord Jesus. We're going to have to be in a state of mind in which we'll do this over and over again in order to possess the treasure that Jesus Christ has foretold for us. Again, I have to tell you, when you hear a message like that, give up everything to follow the Lord Jesus and serve him and serve his, to know him and to make him known. As a young child, you say, as a young man, let's do it. Let's leave it all. Let's give up that 10-speed. Who needs that 10-speed anyhow, right? Let's go. Who needs that mattress? I can sleep on the floor. But it's a little bit harder as we get older and older and older and we accumulate things and we've been making plans for ourselves for our retirement and we've been putting aside our nest egg and and yet at the same time we also know that where we have chosen to follow Christ it has cost us at times relationships that we hold dear it's created a sword between those that we care for because we are not willing to give up our commitment to Christ and we're going to own him And it's brought resistance into our lives because we won't deny him. And the more aggressive we are at following the Lord Jesus, the more at times 
lie at stake those things that we've held dear and we have to be willing to abandon them again and again. The promise is there, but the promise is those who leave everything that they possess to follow Christ and to make him known to others and to accept the reality that with it will come challenges and difficulties and persecution and there are some generations in which it's hard for us to measure what that persecution really means, but even as we live today, there are people who know exactly what it means. There are people living on this earth today that know exactly what it means to be persecuted for Jesus' sake and what will cost them. And they pay the price because they want to follow him. The question is, are we willing to do the same thing? We're talking about what Jesus has predicted for us. Blessings and yet persecutions that will follow those who follow him. And if we've left all for the sake of knowing Christ and continue to leave things in order to make him known to others, the promise is that we're going to suffer persecution. So here is where we're at. Now, did Jesus' predictions come true for the 12? When he spoke, he pulled the 12 aside. This is information he gave to them. Did it come true in their lives? Let's look at their lives for a moment. Did they leave everything? Yes, they left everything to follow Jesus. Not once, but oftentimes twice. After Christ was crucified, you might remember, they returned to their nets. They returned to their homes. They returned back to where they came from. And the Lord Jesus went to them and found them there and called them all over again to leave everything to them in order that he might make them fishers of men. And they did. They well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.